Father, we do ask that you just help us be attentive now as we read your word, these wonderful psalms written for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 120 to 134, as you know, are the songs of the ascents. And those are psalms that were sung when the worshipers would come up to Jerusalem during the major feast. And they would sing these psalms. And they're very special. And so we're going to begin with Psalm 128 as uh, we left off last week at Psalm 127. But as we read, the psalmist writes that blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. And one of the things that we've seen very clearly as we've gone through the psalms over the last year, that um, the fear of the Lord is something that is mentioned. It's not mentioned a whole lot in the church today, but we've talked about what it means to walk in the fear of the Lord. And it just simply means having an awe and a reverence for God that, as Matt was sharing, that it's the love of Christ that motivates us and constrains us. And as we love him, we're going to have um, just that reverence for him, for who he is, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke in the universe came into existence, that he is a great and awesome and huge God that loves us. And that causes me to walk in the fear of the Lord. In other words, I don't want to do anything that is contrary to the ways of the Lord. I don't want to do anything that compromises, you know, my relationship with him. I don't want to uh, be involved in sin. I don't want to be involved in anything that is displeasing to the Lord. That's what it means to walk in the fear of the Lord. And of course, as when we go into Proverbs here in a few weeks, we're going to see that the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. So just walking in that reverence of, Lord, uh, I love you and you're an awesome God. You're a holy God. And so I desire to please you with my life. And as I said, that uh, walking in the fear of the Lord is not having an unhealthy fear and tremble of the Lord. Of There are some that are just fearful of the Lord, that if they mess up, that God's going to zap them and bring judgment on them. But we have forgiveness. He loves us and his love remains. And But he desires for us to walk with him and, and to have the fear of the Lord is saying, Lord, you see me every day, every moment. And I want to walk in a way that pleases you. But also to remember that there's benefit as we walk with the Lord. Blessed, that again, the word blessed means, oh, how happy is the one who walks in his ways. And I really hope and pray that we're understanding here at Calvary Chapels, we're going through the scriptures, that as we walk in his ways, his ways are good. There's blessing, there's benefit in walking in his ways. And the way to do that, to know his ways, is through the word of God. And to know how it is that God wants us to live. You see, Satan's going to come along and the world comes along and says that if you want to be free, you live the way that you want to live. Uh, Live for yourself. You know, do what you want to do. And you see, we're going to see on Sunday that as Jesus, after his baptism, he's going to be driven out into the wilderness where he is tempted of Satan. And Satan comes along and he tempts us. He is one that tries to pull us away from the Lord. And one of the ways is, is he's a master deceiver. He's the father of lies. Uh, He is one that uh, is one that comes along and tries to pull us away from the Lord in that temptation that he'll bring to us. But one of the things he'll say is to make us try to believe that if we live for ourselves and do our own things, that that's what freedom is. And it isn't. If you're going to live your own way and go your own direction and live after the world, that's bondage, isn't it? And I pray that we understand that as we live for the Lord, that's what true freedom is. 
Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That as we live for him, that's where there's blessing because his ways are true and his ways are good. So blessed is the one who fears the Lord. I just want to live for you, Lord, and who walks in his ways because his ways are true. And that's where true freedom comes. It's a higher way of living. And when you eat the labor of your hands, verse two, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. And your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. So those who fear the Lord, who walks in his ways, we are blessed. How? God will bless you as you are providing for your family in your home. Uh, as you, uh, as we saw last week in Psalm 127, that Psalm of Solomon, that remember he said, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And I pray that we always remember that as such an important verse uh, for us to, that we can memorize. Unless the Lord builds a house, those who labor, labor in vain. And as we allow the Lord to be the very foundation of our lives, as we're walking in his ways, that there is benefit and blessing that comes to you and comes to your home, comes to your family. And I pray that your home is filled with the praises of the Lord and you know the thankfulness that you have towards God and that the things of the Lord are spoken of, and that the Lord is honored in your home, that your home is a sanctuary for you and for your children, and that everything that you do, you're doing in a way that you desire to please him and to walk after him and to be like Joshua who said, as for me, my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And I, I think that as we do that, I know that he's going to honor that and he's going to bless that. As the psalmist continues, the Lord bless you out of Zion and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. So again, can you imagine the worshiper, the, uh, the pilgrim going up to Jerusalem. That's why it's called the Songs of the Ascents, or if you have a King James, Songs of Degrees, because you're going up to Jerusalem, and they would come, for example, from the Jordan Valley and make that steam climb up to Jerusalem, and they would come to the Mount of Olives, and then there was the temple that was there that they would come to to celebrate the feast, the feast of Passover, Pentecost, in the fall, the feast of tabernacles. And as they would travel, just as we talked about a couple weeks ago in Luke chapter 2, when when, uh, Joseph and, and Mary couldn't find Jesus after the feast of Passover, that, that they thought that he was with the rest of the company and families would travel together, even villages in Nazareth where they would be returning to where Jesus grew up um, in Nazareth that, you know, probably the whole village was traveling together and they thought that Jesus was with another part of the company, but families traveled together. And can you imagine what it was like for them coming up and all of a sudden it's, it's a time of excitement, a time of celebration, and the whole family is there. You know, the grandparents and the parents and the children, and what a glorious time that it was. One of the things that I really enjoy here, 
particularly on Sunday mornings, is when I see that, uh, that the parents bring their children and the grandparents are here as well. And, and they get to see their grandchildren. And what a blessing for those of you who have that opportunity to have not only your children here, but your grandchildren here as well. And, and to watch that and think how they're blessed to have that. And what my prayer is, is that we will remember that the greatest legacy and heritage that we can leave is to our children and to our children's children. And my prayer is for you who are not only parents but grandparents, that you would continue to be able to minister to your grandchildren if you're able to do that. So here is blessing that comes as the psalmist is, is writing this to our homes as we fear him and walk in his ways. But I was thinking about this, that in verse 5, the Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Year after year as they came up to the feast and celebrated, just seeing you know Jerusalem and how exciting it was. But then in 605 B.C., here came the Babylonians and took their children away captive. And then again, it happened in 70 A.D. as Jerusalem was destroyed, the second temple at that time. And they were out of the land. And we're going to read here actually in a few psalms, I believe it's in Psalm 137, that the psalmist is writing about how they were in Babylon and, and the Babylonians would mock them and, and say, why don't you sing a song about Zion and, and how sad it was and reminding them, mocking them that you're out of the land. All because of disobedience. All because they would not turn back to the Lord as, you know, in that first temple period, as we read those historical books of the Old Testament, that the prophets would come and, and, and tell the leaders of Israel and the leaders of the house of Judah to turn back to the Lord, to give up your false worship and your false ways, and yet they wouldn't do it. And that's the thing, again, that we need to be reminded of, that as they were in disobedience to the Lord. It led to their captivity and it will happen with us as well if we walk away that is contrary to the way that God wants us to live. My prayer is that we would be teaching our children the ways of the Lord. That fathers, that you train your children in the ways of the Lord is what the instruction is. And we're going to come alongside and, and encourage you and bless you as much as, as we can. Uh, we want to come alongside and pray for your children because I know that in a church this size that some of you, you don't have children that are walking with the Lord. Maybe you're new to the Lord. There's all kinds of different cases and situations. But we want to encourage you. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for your children as well. So here the psalmist talking about the blessing of walking in his ways and, and in our homes. In Psalm 129, another song of ascent says we read, that many a time they have afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, many a time they have afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. And so Israel has been afflicted all of its history. Uh, for 4,000 years, Israel has been afflicted. And we know that God has a plan for them, that they're going to be afflicted right before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And, and we can read that in the scriptures. But God is going to see them through. And there is going to be the restoration of Israel. And Paul writes that in that time, all of Israel is going to be saved. But also, as I think about this, 
that even as Israel has come back from two captivities, first the Babylonian captivity as it lasted for 70 years, and then in 70 AD when Titus and the Roman legions came and destroyed the second temple, temple and leveled Jerusalem, that they were scattered just as the prophet said would happen throughout all the nations. And that lasted for 2,000 years. And now they're back in the land. They're a nation once again. Um, and it's amazing to see how God has kept his promise to them. And, and even though they've suffered great persecution, that he's going to see them through. And the church, too, over the last 2,000 years has suffered persecution. But Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail. And I believe that it could get worse as we get closer to the return of the Lord. I pray for revival in our nation. I pray for revival in this world, a coming to Jesus Christ. But I also know that persecution is increasing. And I see it happening in this own nation that you and I may be persecuted more and more as the days and the weeks turn into months, as it turns into years of the Lord tarries, that as we stand for the truth of God's word, that as we live for him and stand for the gospel, that as we give the gospel, that those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's one of those promises that we don't like to really underline in the Bible. We like to underline the good promises, don't we? But we will have that persecution. And I don't mean to put undue burden on anybody or on us, but I think that we just need to really understand the days in which we're living in and the culture and the society and the nation which we're living in. And we read it and see it all around us, don't we? But remember this, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So here that as they would come up, they would remember how they'd been afflicted. In verse 3, perhaps remembering the days of Egypt, the plowers plowed on my back and they made their furrows long. Speaking about perhaps the Egyptian taskmaster to put the whips on the back of the Hebrews. And of course you remember as they came out of Egypt that they would cry out to Moses as they went through difficulty. Moses, why did you bring us out here in the wilderness? We're going to die out here in the wilderness. We want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back where we, you know, had some meat and ate vegetables and onions and all of this. Here we are out here and they would complain against God's provision and being out there in the wilderness. Let's go back to Egypt. And they had forgotten about those taskmasters, the whips on their back and being in bondage. And you see, the enemy is going to do the same thing with us as well, particularly if you're new to Christianity, that sometimes the enemy comes and says, go back to Egypt, Egypt being a picture of the world. Go back, go back to the old hangouts, to the old gang. But he does not remind you of the bondage that you're in and the misery and how you were held in captivity. He, he you know, puts it in your mind that as you're going through difficulties and, and a new Christian, it's wonderful when they're excited about the Lord, but then all of a sudden the attacks come and the discouragement comes and you're losing your friends and, and some Christians, even their families, hold them out at arm's length and, and all of a sudden it's hard and, and all of a sudden the enemy starts whispering, go back, go back. Go back to the old hangouts. Go back to the old gang. But he doesn't remind you of how hard and difficult it was in living in sin and living in the world. 
So it could be that they're speaking about Egypt, the, the captivity there. In verse 4, the Lord is righteous. He has cut in pieces the cords of the wicked. Remember what the Lord has done in bringing you out of Egypt and bringing you to where you're a new creation in Christ and you're forgiven. And the Lord's going to strengthen you and bless you that there's true freedom in living for him. In verse 5, let all those who hate Zion be put to shame and turned back. Let them be as the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor he who binds sheaves his arms. Neither let those who pass by them say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. And so the psalmist is asking God to deal with the wicked and, and those who persecute God's people, which he's going to. Kind of reminds me of in the book of Revelation, when you read in Revelation chapter 6, uh, verse 10, that those saints who are under the, the altar, who, who had the word of God, uh, that they're crying out, how long, O Lord, will you avenge our blood uh, on those who dwell on the earth? And in the book of Revelation that we know that during the tribulation period, that last final seven-year period before the second coming of Jesus Christ, that there is going to be God pouring out his judgment on a Christ-rejected world. But there's all kinds of things that are going on as you read the book of Revelation. And the Antichrist who's going to come on the scene is going to come along and he's going to heavily persecute those tribulation saints. There's actually going to be a great revival that will take place in the tribulation period. You see in Revelation chapter 7, the 144,000 Jews that are 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes sealed by God and they're like evangelists and, and many are going to come to the Lord during that time. And then as Paul, as he writes in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that when that man of sin, the Antichrist, goes into the temple of God and he exalts himself as God and proclaims to be God, to be worshipped as God. And of course the Antichrist is going to be directly under the influence of Satan himself. And that's something that Satan has always wanted, is what? To be worshipped. So in the middle of the tribulation period, when he desecrates the temple, proclaims himself as God, that if you don't take the mark of the beast, you cannot buy or sell, that those who reject the Antichrist, those tribulation saints are going to suffer great persecution, as well as the Jews that are going to flee to the rock city of Petra. Matter of fact, Jesse is going to be going to Petra uh, when he's in Jordan, take a, a quick visit there. So we're going to expect some pictures for you to bring back. But it's in prophecy, and, and it's, it's an amazing, amazing thing that's going to take place. And so how long, O Lord, will you avenge our blood to those who dwell on the earth? And the Lord is going to bring judgment on a Christ-rejected world at that time. And so the psalmist here, speaking of those things, and then in Psalm 130, a song of ascents, we read, Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. I love these psalms that keep reminding us that when our soul is deeply saddened and full of sorrow and troubled, that we can cry out to him. And we can cry out to him, Lord, may you be attentive your ear attentive to the voice of my supplication. And the good news is this, that he hears you and he sees you and he knows you and he loves you. And I am so thankful that we can cry out to the Lord in those times. 
And here the psalmist, whatever he's going through, out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. From the, the deepest part of his heart and his soul, he's crying out, and Lord, please be attentive to hear me. And of course, David was one that we've seen him repeatedly pray that kind of prayer in a time of his trouble and difficulty that he went through. And know that the Lord does hear you. And verse 3 goes on that if you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. You know, we have forgiveness. The greatest need that any man, any woman has is to be forgiven. And there's only one way to be forgiven, to be redeemed, purchased back. As Peter says, we've been redeemed, not with gold and silver, corruptible things, but with the precious blood of the Lamb. And we have forgiveness of sin because there's a death sentence that has come with our sin. And we can't stand before God in our own righteousness. And we have the forgiveness of sin because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And I pray that that would never lose its impact on us. That who could stand, but there's forgiveness with you that you may be feared. You know, I think about, Lord, if you never bless me anymore, and I know he will, and I know he's going to continue to be faithful, but if you never did anything more for me, you've done the greatest thing in sending your son to die for me and bringing forgiveness to me that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Because I am forgiven. And now I know that I'm not going to stand at the great white throne judgment where those who are going to stand before God in their own works and their own efforts, that they are going to fall short. And death is going to be the sentence for them, cast into outer darkness, into the lake of fire. Because they did not receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and receive the gospel. And that's why we need to continue to pray for those that you know, family members, to, to be sensitive to the leading of the Lord, to share that good news, that forgiveness is possible. It's the greatest need that we have to be forgiven of sin as we come to Jesus Christ who has provided that by going to the cross. He is our hope. He is our salvation. There is none other. And may we be ones that we desire that, Lord, that we give that message to others. And because I have forgiveness, Lord, may you be feared. And I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word, I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. I just have a feeling that Psalm 130 was written by David. It just has that tone of David that we've seen going through. God's word brings us hope, just as the psalmist would write in Psalm 119, comfort and safety. And, and, and that would come, the comfort and safety, as they look for the morning, as no more darkness. And he's brought us out, as Peter writes in his epistle, out of the darkness into his marvelous light. We wait for you, Lord, waiting on the Lord, because you will be faithful to bring your word to pass. And then as verse 7, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption, and he shall redeem Israel for all his iniquities. He has redeemed us. That word redeem has the meaning of the purchase back. He has purchased us, again, as I quoted from Peter's epistle, 
by the precious blood of the Lamb. Story of a boy that made a, a boat. And he made this boat, and he went down to the creek, and he's sailing it, and all of a sudden it began to rain, and the, the creek swelled up with water, and the boat got away, and he lost the boat. And it was a few days later, he's walking by a pawn shop, and, and there his boat was in the window. So he runs in, and, and he says to the shop owner that that's my boat. And, and the shop owner said, wait a minute here, you have to buy that boat if you want it. How do I know that it's yours? So the little boy went out and he mowed lawns and he washed cars and he made enough money to where he can go and buy that boat. He went in and he bought it and as he was coming out of the shop, he was holding that boat close to himself and he's overheard saying, you're mine, you're mine, you're twice mine. I made you and I lost you and now I've purchased you back. And in a way, the Lord says the same thing as he holds us as we come back to him. You're mine, you're mine, you're twice mine. That I made you, I created you. And then sin came into the world and separated you from me. But now I've redeemed you and purchased you back. Listen, you are so valuable to the Lord. And I pray that you would never forget that. You know, it kind of loses its impact after a while as a Christian if, if we let it. That Jesus loves you so much that he came and gave his life. He suffered in ways that we can never fully comprehend because he loves you. And that, see, that's the message that we can give to others. To bring forgiveness. That's the only hope that we have. Father, if it is possible, he prayed in that garden, let this cup pass from me. The cup of suffering and death. And he knew there was no other way. If we could be saved and earn our way to heaven or merit salvation, then I don't have to go to the cross. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And it pleased the Father, as we're going to talk about on Sunday, as Jesus went down to the river to be baptized. Why was he baptized? Well, you got to come on Sunday and find out. As we're going to talk about that. But Jesus was committing himself to go to the cross. And the father is saying, my son in whom I'm well pleased. At that time, at 30 years of age, he had never done anything contrary to the will of the father. He lived a sinless life and it pleased the father not only in his son and being the perfect lamb of God, but also that his son went to the cross so that he can have you. Never forget that. So, Father, we thank you for a redemption of, that has come through Jesus Christ. Your love for us proved that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, Father, it's my prayer tonight as I thank you for that message that we, we know, we hear, we're reminded of it. But, Lord, a message that we get to preach to others. And all of us, as we walk out of this place, we're in our mission field, in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, with our families. But, Lord, the opportunities that we have, we thank you. That we get to share that Jesus has redeemed us by his blood, his love for us to bring forgiveness of sin. And that we can be clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I pray if there's anybody here tonight that you have not opened your heart to Jesus, he is your salvation. 
He loves you. He came and died for you specifically, individually. And as he was on that cross, he was thinking about you. He knew that you'd be here on this May night, 2016. It's no accident that you're here. And he says, I love you. And I've made provision for forgiveness of sin and eternal life. Believe in me. You can't merit it. You can't earn it. The empty tomb proves that he's the son of God. Validated what he did on that cross. Today is the day of salvation because tomorrow isn't promised to any of us. Will you give your life to Jesus? If you're listening on live stream, if you're out in a coffee shop or in the sanctuary, will you ask for forgiveness and turn to Jesus? Surrender your life to him. He loves you. He wants to free you to truly be free from the penalty of sin and also from the bondage of sin. And you can pray right where you're sitting that Jesus, I come to you a sinner. I confess that I am. And I ask that you would be my personal Lord and Savior. I believe you died on that cross for me and that your life speaking to my heart. And I thank you for forgiving me and for freeing me and giving me a new beginning and giving me a new heart. I surrender my life to you. And Lord, help me to know you, to grow in the love and knowledge of Jesus, to walk in your ways all the days of my life. I thank you for hearing my prayer in Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer as we finish the service, I'm going to stay up here. Come eat. Come and tell me the decision that you made. But Lord, again, we thank you for tonight. And I thank you for everybody that's been here. I pray that we would, Lord, walk in the fear of the Lord, just enjoying you and believing in you, being submitted to you. So Lord, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen.